Hi and welcome to Town Hall Tattle, the podcast with all the news from South Yorkshire's town halls. I'm your host, Daniel Andrews. I'm the local democracy reporter covering Barnsley and Rotherham councils. And joining me today is Lucy Ashton and Molly Williams, who have the monumental task of covering all things Sheffield Council. Unfortunately, George Tor can't be with us today. He's at Doncaster Town Hall covering the full council meeting. But we've still got plenty to discuss as it is budget time for councils up and down the country. So we'll turn to Lucy first, who has been covering Sheffield's budget this year. Now, we know social care is putting a strain on council budgets nationwide, but there's one aspect in particular in Sheffield, which is a real drain. Can you explain, Lucy? Hi, Danny. Yes, this is quite an interesting one. Um, both social services and finance officers are very concerned about the cost of private residential care for children. So this is basically private children's homes. And on one occasion, the council paid £12,000 for one child per week. And quite commonly, the council will pay round about £10,000 per child per week. So as finance officers say, you don't actually need many children in private homes for this cost to really um, add up. Now, compare that amount of money with council-run children's homes, and it, the difference is it's about £10,000 for private council-run homes are about £3,000. So it's much, much cheaper. The problem is the council doesn't have um, that many children's homes. I think it's got about eight or so across the city. So finance officers have said to social services, you need to build more children's homes. We need more children's homes owned and run by the council because we've really, really got to bring this bill down. And it has been flagged up as something that is very, very seriously draining the budget. So that will be quite an interesting one to look at because apart from the financial aspect, um, children's homes do tend to get a mixed reaction from residents. And I've covered maybe three planning applications for children's home. Um, one which was actually welcomed by residents, one where they were very much against it, and a third where there was a mixed reaction. So it does have implications for planning as well as for finances, but but they've really got to start tackling this problem pretty quickly. I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it? I cover um, children's homes as well in Barnsley and Rotherham. It's not a problem that's unique to Sheffield with residents objecting. I think they're just quite worried about um, having children's homes in their areas. And it's like you say, it's the financial implications. Yes, it'll be better in the long term to have council owned and run children's homes. But where's the money going to come from to set those up in the first place? Well, they are hoping to get some government funding for the actual capital of creating, converting existing buildings, building new buildings. Um, so they are hoping that the government will help them actually fund these new children's homes to get them up and running. Um, but I think it's probably the first time I've, I've done... I've covered budgets for a long, long time, and it's the first time I can remember 
this this specific issue being highlighted like this? Well, hopefully there will be um, some sort of funding that comes through because it's such an important issue. You know, youngsters in care, they, they really do need the best, the best kind of homes and things like they that. Um, and there's some bad news for vulnerable people with expensive care home packages too. That's right. Uh, the other side of social care is with the adults. And um, finance officers have said, direct quote, there are going to be some difficult and horrible conversations with some people because they have got some home care packages which are costing £4,000 per individual per week. Um, and the problem was when COVID, um, when the pandemic started, obviously they were keen to um, get people out of care homes. So they set up these very expensive care packages so people could be looked after in their own home. And finance officers have almost described it as having a personal care home, a, a personalised individual care home in your house. Um, but obviously they are costing a, a lot of money um, for the council. And finance officers are now saying, look, care homes are reopening. They're much, much safer. They're getting back to normal um, following the pandemic. And we really need to start looking at putting these people in a care home. Um, financially, it is cheaper for them to be in a care home. But it's it's very difficult. It's very emotive. It's a hard conversation to have with anybody um, about someone going in a care home. But particularly if you have had this home care package and you're quite happy with it and it suits you well, as the council say, that's going to be a, a horrible conversation with some people. It is. And nobody likes to think about getting older or relatives getting older, but it is a fact of life. And, you know, care home fees are, are huge and it's a real you know, people have to sell the houses and things like that to afford the care homes. And when we talk about the long term repercussions of COVID and having the effect on the council budgets, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. That's um, that's 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 spot on, Danny. It's it's the council will say it's 10 years of austerity. They will say that um, government funding has been cut. But you're absolutely right. COVID and the pandemic has hammered the budget even more. It, it Probably in financial terms, it couldn't have come at a worse time than after 10 years of, of funding cuts when councils were already struggling. And I mean, I suppose we're all going to be paying the price in higher council tax that's going to have to be put up. That's right. where the new comes from. That's right. Bills. We're all the That's it. Sheffield's putting its council tax up by almost 3%, which is the maximum allowed. It's using £14 million worth of savings. So, yeah, it, it like everything else, food <laughs> prices, energy prices, petrol prices, us as the individuals will see our bills go up as well.
And we're all right there. I mean, we're we're still we're reporters and we're people too. We live in our patches. We are all having to pay higher energy bills, same That's as right. readers, same as listeners of the podcast. We're all sat here wondering what we're going to do when it comes to we're, April. We're not immune. We don't sit in a bubble and write <laughs> about these things. We are we're residents and citizens, and we worry just as much as everybody else about them. We do, yes. So thanks for that, Lucy. I mean, it sounds like there's some really tough decisions coming up for Sheffield Council and you'll be at full council on Wednesday to tell us all about it. That's right. That's right. Yes. Take some snacks. It sounds like it's going to be a long meeting. <laughs> um, so Molly, you've been looking into the Police and Crime Commissioner's preset, um, the element of your council tax payments, which funds policing. So authorities are struggling to balance the budgets across the board, if we just heard. Um, how are the police coping? How much are taxpayers going to have to help? Yeah, so uh, like you say, Danny, times are really hard for all services and the Police and Crime Commission, like you say, which sets the budget for the police is also increasing its tax precept to help cope. Um, it's become increasingly reliant on taxpayers over recent decades. Louise Haig, who's an MP for Sheffield Healy, when she was shadow minister for policing, said it was a, a result of reckless Tory cuts and it sort of created a bit of a postcode lottery uh, around the country. So Alan Billings, the police and crime commissioner for South Yorkshire, said he did recognise that people were struggling, um, but they can't afford not to raise the tax precept. So it's increasing by 4.69%. This equates to an extra £10 per year for bandy properties or 19p per week. Um, this adds up to quite a significant amount for the force. Um, it's slightly more than 30% of its budget is expected to come from council tax and the rest is from sort of like government funding and settlement. Um, it will also have to dip into reserves to keep going. Uh, it's expected to use 2.3 million pounds of this in the next financial year. And uh, as you would expect, taxpayers aren't overjoyed about paying more. Uh, Sheffield resident launched a petition earlier uh, the other month calling for a reduction in tax until services improve. But obviously, the difficulty there is how do you improve services without getting more money? And that's the thing, isn't it? We all want to see police on the street and police doing the job, but this is the way that it's going to have to be paid for. Um, South Yorkshire's also got a number of legacy costs to budget for. Can you explain what those are and how they're paying for it? Yeah, so um, the police has to budget for these legacy costs, which are sort of civil claims against them as a result of the Hillsborough football disaster and non-recent child sexual exploitation. And this is expected to reach £121 million by 2026. Um, but of that, uh, only about £18 million will be paid by the police. Um, but looking forward, Alan Billings said the force will simply run out of reserves by, by 2026. Um, unless there's drastic savings and a lot more government funding, which I feel like is pretty much the case for all local authorities are all asking mm -hmm. the government to step up yeah. and help provide the funding. Otherwise, it's just going to keep falling back on taxpayers. Sheffield Council has said the same. The, the, these reserves, it's like our savings. You know, once they're gone, they're gone. And it feels a bit like that that rainy day has well and truly come now. Yeah, it does. Thanks, Molly. I mean, it, it sounds like it's been really difficult for police and the local authorities alike to try and find that funding. And the you, you can't forget that the services are vital. Without council and police services, you know, we don't get social care, we don't get bins emptied, right down to sort of filling potholes on the street. Um, so it's no different in Barnsley. 
where the council leader, Sir Steve Horton, actually said he's really sorry that the council's had to raise council tax by 3.5% this year. And um, he said, I'm really sorry we've had to do that. I take no pleasure in it when he was discussing the council tax rise. And that equates to about £55 a year for Bandy properties. And that's made up of 2% pay rise for adult social care services and 1.5% rise for council services, your road maintenance, bin collections, recycling libraries, things like that. Um, and in Rotherham, a council tax rise of 4.5% was approved by Rotherham Council's cabinet on February the 14th. And the final decision is going to be made at full council on Wednesday, March 2nd. And Rotherham's uh, council tax rise is made up of a 1.5% hike in basic council tax, plus an increase of 3% for the adult social care precept. So residents in a bandy property in Rotherham are going to pay an extra £72.66 per year. And this is going to raise an extra £120 million to help the council pay for frontline services. They've said that particularly services for vulnerable children and adults at a time when demand for these services continues to increase. So that, again, it's like another long-term effect of COVID that these services, demand's increasing on these services. So now that we're all considering how skint that we're going to be after April and wondering what we're going to do, Molly, can you lighten the mood with a story that you've been working on about the Peak District and Sheffield Heritage? Yeah, so it has been, as you say, pretty gloom and doom. <clears throat> but um, there was a nice uh, story I did the other day on an academic from the University of York who's been asking people for their stories, thoughts and feelings, images, anything really related to their favourite heritage spots in Sheffield and the Peak District. And the aim is to use this feedback for a heritage map that will hopefully inform planning decisions. And we all know how important that is because sort of every time there's a a planning application for something in someone's back garden everyone's got very strong feelings about that and so this sort of aims to to take all those on board um and sort of map out really the strength of feeling in these areas and um so i've actually been reflecting on my own sort of favorite local spots in sheffield and the peak districts uh, as part of this and it's actually been really nice to reminisce and sort of like uh reflect on memories and and how sort of places in in our local communities are actually really important to us so yeah so I definitely recommend people taking taking a bit of time to to fill that out see what they think uh, and the story the link to that is in is in story online so I'll be sharing that on socials too so Molly which were your favorite heritage spots so um so well, I'm trying to think now so yeah so one of them is Kinder Scout or uh, in the Peak District not only because of the epic views it's beautiful and there's also a really good pub nearby that you end up going in um but it's also sort of like where um protesters fought for the right to roam so it's uh sort of like anyone who enjoys the peak district really owe it to them and the, the other one what were the other ones um actually one of the ones i thought about was the old york street offices you know the Sheffield. oh Star yes yes yeah, definitely I don't know. They, they. I think they're apartments or something now. But um, we I, should I only... explain. It was the old Star offices for anybody uh, unsure what yeah. we're talking about. I mean, Home like, journalism. I um, I didn't get to actually spend much time there, but I did get to go on work experience, and it just left such a lasting impression because it's just a really, you really feel um, 
the history of the place and you used to have the the newspapers printed down downstairs underneath and I've just heard so many stories from fellow journalists of their time there it's just yeah it's kind of a a landmark really yeah you know, it's sad it to see it go even though everyone said there's a lot of problems <laughs> you got any heritage uh, favorites Danny yeah, I um, I absolutely love the Hope Valley. It's somewhere that, as a kid who grew up right in Sheffield, my grandparents used to take me there quite a lot to get some fresh air and probably tie me out before they returned me back to my parents. So I've got a lot of happy memories of the Hope Valley. And even the drive out there, I just remember being in my, my granddad's car, driving out on those lovely roads when the, on a hot summer's day with the sandwiches in the car. And I think every Sheffielder or South Yorkshire person that you speak to just loves the Peak District. We're so, so lucky to have it on our doorstep. You know, it's it's half an hour drive away from a lot of places. And where else have you got such picturesque views and lovely little villages right on your doorstep? Um, I do miss the cooling towers though. They were the sign that you were coming home after you'd been on holiday, coming over the uh, mm -hmm. Tinted Viaduct. And it's, I'm still kind of getting used to them not being there, even though they've been gone for a long, long time now. <laughs> I do miss them being there. Um, and I think one of my favourite heritage spots might be the Henderson's Relish Factory near the Uni of. I always sort of, because I, I grew up on like Walkley, so used to come round that way to go like get on the ring road. And I don't know, for some reason, that always makes me feel like I'm home, the old Henderson's Factory. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of places that make me really nostalgic and happy when I go past them. Yeah, that's nice. What about you, Lucy? Um, I'm quite a fan of uh, churches, actually. And I think we've got two fantastic cathedrals in the city centre. Um, and Bradfield Church is just, I think, absolutely breathtaking. Both the church itself and the location and the views um and it's ancient that church um i should know my history better here and i'm not going to hazard a guess at when it was built but i do know it's it's one of the oldest buildings in the city um so i think with churches it's the decor of them um but also all sort of the births deaths and marriages really that have taken place all that high emotion um, sort of seeped into the walls. I'm sounding very poetic here, but just, you know, the old pews and the aisle and just thinking of all the people that have had babies christened and got married and said farewell to loved ones. Um, big fan of stained glass windows and um, all the uh, all the religious icons in churches. So I think building-wise... Um, I would I would maybe go for Bradfield or St. Marie's Cathedral. View-wise, do you know what? I always like the Bowl Hills. Um, I know the Peak District is absolutely stunning, but if you can't get that far, um, and sometimes I think we take places like the Bowl Hills for granted, and every time I go there, um, I do always catch myself on looking at those views. Um, Real panoramic. Millsbrook Park as well is good for that. Mm. Is it Millsbrook? Yeah. Or it might be Millhouses. I always get them confused. 
if you ever want to see a good fireworks display, but you want to stay warm, then my advice is go to Bowlills Chippy, get a fish supper and park <laughs> up at the top of Bowlills and you get an absolutely free and warm firework display with your chippy. Can't You can't beat it. See, this This is the insider knowledge that we give our listeners here. Do you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, um, me and Molly, about it would be nice for Sheffield to have its own blue plaques, because I think blue plaques are actually quite hard to get and they're organised by a national association. But maybe it's something for, you know, the council or... Even, you know, even better, maybe a heritage group. So could we could have our own green plaques or something, couldn't we? They could do a trail as well with a map and yeah, like that and um, maybe mention pubs or cafes to go to on the way and you can make a day of it. That'd be yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think I think we'll have to pitch this to Hallamshire Historic Buildings or somebody like that. See Absolutely. if we can get them on board with it. You know, one of the buildings I was thinking of, you know, saying about being steeped in history is that um, Sheffield Town Hall was on my list. Yes. Because I've been to Doncaster. Um, I've covered a couple of meetings there when George has been away. And it's such a modern and efficient, mm -hmm. like really top, like sort of state of the art building. But it's not got the character and the history and the grandeur yeah, of, yeah. of the town hall. And yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's been inefficient with COVID and stuff, not being able to fit any, everyone in. But I still, after hours and hours and hours spending in the time town hall, including being locked in those flipping <laughs> corridor bits, <laughs> I still get impressed by just the history of it. I agree, Molly, that sweeping staircase and the marble and yeah, it's, um, yeah, I still find it quite breathtaking when I go in there, even after all these years. Yeah, it's a beautiful building. It's interesting because um, Manchester Town Hall is very often used in television programmes as a double for the House of Commons. Oh, yeah. So um, they've got obviously a nice little sideline there with film and television. That's another thing I think we should maybe do a bit more of in Sheffield. Yeah. Do you think people are still quite nostalgic for, for the all in the road? <laughs> do you know when you say you're from you like when you talk to your parents and your grandparents and they talk about the hole in the road but like i were very very young when it got filled in but i don't remember it being the nicest of places. i think it's rose tinted glasses no, do I. I was a kid and it seemed to be i might get shot down in flames for saying <laughs> but it just seemed to be a little bit dark and maybe a little bit edgy if you went at the wrong time of day and yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe we do look back on it with fond memories where people actually now say, no, I just prefer a road. And I straightforward yeah. road. <laughs> but the CNA building were quite imposing looking in, like as you were coming through it, wasn't it? That, that's a lovely nice. building. That turned into the Primark, didn't it? I think people are, nowadays probably go, why are we adding in stairs where we don't need stairs? You know, and I know it was obviously to get under the road, but I think nowadays, yeah, you're just used to walking along the straight line, aren't you, without having to go downstairs? Yeah. 
through a hole and back up the other side. And there was there was the fish. I've got I in my head the fish, but well, I there was fish walls. I was very young when it got filled in, so it's a yeah. very new memory. And I don't know if I'm just kidding myself, but I do remember fish. I'm the same I as think. you. I've got a vague memory of fish. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'm not confusing it with something else then. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I wrote a feature um, because Sheffield's twin town is Donetsk in the Ukraine and I wrote a feature about it last week and Donetsk also has a hole in the road um, it was uh, Councillor Peter Price who was one of the councillors who forged this um, link and relationship with the Ukraine um, back in the 80s and he said they had a hole in the road like just like Sheffield but theirs was a lot bigger so I'd love to see a picture of that actually do you know and if it's still there or if it's been filled in like us I don't know and I don't know if Sheffield inspired it <laughs> create one or whether it already had one and it was just a, a coincidence but um yeah of all the places to team up with you picked somewhere that had another hole in the road. <laughs> Maybe that was the basis of the relationship. Yeah. Both had holes in the road. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. That was Town Hall Tattle with uh, Danny, Lucy and Molly bringing you all the news from uh, South Yorkshire's town halls. And we'll see you at the next one.